welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of directed video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched The Perfect Bride. Bride, Sammy Davis plays Stephanie, a serial killer who murders her fiancés right before their wedding. Stephanie's latest engagement is to Ted, played by Lyndon Ashby, and most of their family couldn't be happier. Only Ted's sister Laura, played by Kelly Preston, is suspicious of Stephanie and decides to investigate her past. Screenplay by Claire Montgomery and Monty Montgomery, directed by Terrence O'Hara, and premiered on the USA Network on June 26, 1991. Did you watch The Perfect Bride on USA Network back in the day? No. Or VHS, because it got a VHS release. No, I've never even heard of this movie. <laughs> no, me either. And it was also on USA Up All Night at some point. Yeah. According to the Letterboxd list that exists for all USA Up All Night movies that were part of that. It, it looks like it probably did re-air on Lifetime Movie Network at some point, but it was a USA Network original movie, uh, which is something I didn't really realize that they had. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I didn't know that Lifetime had original movies back in 1991, but we came across yeah. Wildflower, so, you know. It also did get, like I said, a VHS release where it's rated R, and there are some swear words in there, but that's about as far as it goes. I think there's one F-bomb. Right, and, and I and think a that shits, was... And that's about oh, it. Yeah, I think that was, like, the limit. Yeah, and there's, like, <laughs> For... some shadowy boobs. Right. In one scene, like, that's it. I don't know. Uh, so, less of an R than even Doc Hollywood. You know? Like, Doc um, Hollywood deserved yeah. an R more than this did. Because there wasn't even all that much blood there are murders in this yeah but it's all through injections yeah and you yeah you're not seeing i mean you're seeing people die but it's not like in a slasher type of way i guess like yeah yeah, there's no blood i mean there's a little bit of blood at the very end with the baseball bat thing yeah but other than that it's it's basically nothing um, you know, dead just, silence. I'm just was like about really curious because of the subject matter. Like it was a little bit more adult. I guess so. Yeah, maybe they because they had the F word in there. Maybe they were actually pushing for the R to make it a little bit more rentable for the target market. Like this, clearly, this is not for kids. You know, it's not right. meant for kids. It's meant for people who want a potentially erotic thriller. And it's not really erotic, but it does have the thriller detective story part of it. Yeah. So, which is good. You know, I think that, that this gives us an investigation. It's, it, it gives us a mystery to solve. Even though we as the audience know the answer, Kelly Preston's character, Laura, does not. And so it's following her 
as she's unraveling the clues and putting together the pieces that we have already seen because of things like the opening scene where Stephanie kills her first... Her husband. Well, not her first victim. Yeah. Her, her most recent victim before she meets Ted. Yeah. I for, I forgot the guy's name, honestly, because he's in it for like two seconds. Richard something, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think so it was Robert or Richard. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, it's in the credits. I, I didn't write it down. Um, so, whatever. <laughs> it's an interesting opening scene. You know, uh, she's in her bridal gown. You know, the actual wedding yeah, dress. The husband's in like bed the with night. nothing on. Yeah, it's probably the day that they got married, and it's the it's night before. Of... Yeah, the the day oh, before. The, oh, the day before. Yeah, because okay. they make you know, he makes a quip, which Ted also makes later, saying, "Isn't it bad luck to, to see, see okay. the bride in the wedding dress before the wedding?" So okay, so they didn't even get married because I no. was like wondering why. So I now I. I know, like, at the end of the movie, we know why she's just killing men, but I thought, like, in the beginning that she was just, you know, one of, like, just kind of like the stories you see now where it's, like, people killing their spouses for, like, insurance money. That's what I thought this was, but she's not even married to him yet. Yeah, there's no financial... So she's aspect. she's just killing men because, I mean, spoiler, <laughs> it's like we learn later on that when she was a young girl that her, like, she finds her mom dying on, like, a bathroom floor wearing her wedding dress, I guess? Yeah. And we see that her mom has, like, slit her own wrists like she's killing herself and i don't know how old stephanie was like 10 i have no Something idea like that. walks in and sees her dying and she's like don't let any man ever hurt you like your father hurt me and don't let any man hurt you so i mean that caused something in her so i guess if any man like cheats on her or just even looks she's like super jealous super jealous yeah even like, without any proof of cheating because in this even case, if ted yeah. doesn't well i mean he kisses the dancer at the back yeah he party, kisses the dancer but, but and he doesn't have intentions of sleeping with well, her he anyway. also lied because yeah. she's like you didn't have any women at your bachelor party even though she saw him yeah so, she and he lied and saw and he lied about it so He's untrustworthy. He had been engaged before, which he, you know, causes her to go into a little bit of a spiral. But she also admits that she had been engaged before. So, yeah. you know, it's it's not about, you know, fairness. It's about what, what triggers like, her okay, she, rage. She's a nurse. Or at least getting jobs as a nurse yeah because <laughs> she's she's moved from city to city but she's like, like i don't know which one this one takes place in i la maybe somewhere in they mentioned denver san diego and phoenix and i don't know if those are all past towns or if one of them is i, I didn't pay enough attention to that aspect i guess her most recent one was in san diego with the guy in the beginning okay that's what i was assuming i thought they were 
somewhere else in California. I have no idea. <laughs> I was assuming LA, but I don't even know. They didn't say. Because when they were trying to, I mean, Laura Kelly Preston was trying to, you know, she's trying to solve this. She just, she doesn't trust Stephanie at all. She's like, there's something about her. And then she just spends the entire movie trying to find something bad about her. And I mean, she does. This is kind of like pre-So I Married an Ex-Murderer. <laughs> it really, Yeah, it really is. Just without the, the comedy aspect. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the same basic concept of, oh, this person's going around killing their partners and moving from town to town. And, yeah. And then you have this non-detective doing the, the, the detective, detective work, work. <laughs> to see if they're in danger. And Laura is, you know, going to the library and searching, like, microfiche and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Just finding stuff about, you know, I don't even know how it started. I mean, I know. I mean, I think the, I mean, she was suspicious. She was just suspicious from, from the, the get-go. And part of it is because she had known Ted three months and now they're engaged. And so she's a little put off by that. And the whole thing with, okay, their whole family, Laura's whole family hates Laura. Right. They're super passive aggressive and they basically blame her for the death of Catherine, another sister of her, like, you know, Laura's and Ted's sister who had died sometime in the past when they were kids and they blame Laura <laughs> for it and they have never know, gotten I over it. I felt bad for Laura like the entire time. And then they try to make it out as if she's like, she has like mental issues i guess it's it's yeah it's a lot of um passive aggressive stuff it's a lot of because stephanie is just saying oh well behavior. she's just you know crazy or whatever like don't listen to her and even the mom's just like you're getting i mean like, like laura was affected by her sister's death i guess and she's not people are even saying she's never been the same ever since her sister died i don't even know how old they were did they even say like they were mm, youngish yeah they were both riding bikes or something and then like someone laura swerved to get out of the way of something and like she got hit catherine and... like i don't know whatever yeah can't like the sister catherine got the brunt of something and they yeah, the laura sister saved laura so Laura, it was either Laura was going to get hit by a car or her sister. And her sister, like, was the hero and saved her and then she died. So everyone's, like, now blaming Laura, even though, what was she, like, a child. Like, what the hell? Mm hmm And, yeah, like, there's all kinds of stuff that comes. Like, she's got, like, PTSD from, like, her sister dying. And, and everyone's just like, fuck you, Laura. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, the well, entire yeah, movie. I mean, the mom is like, isn't it great? You're gonna have a sister again. Yeah, you know, like, and she's like, like stupid you should, lines like that. Like, isn't you this wonderful? You're gonna have a sister again. Yeah, you should be grateful that you're gonna have a sister now. So shut the fuck up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I think the, the reason why she becomes um, jealous is that the mom says that Laura understandably gets upset, accidentally spills some wine on this. Uh, whatever like tablecloth table thing. thing i don't know that was supposed to be um oh 
That was supposed to be like some sort of family heirloom. Yeah. Through generations. Yeah, that that Stephanie had brought in. Yeah. And and as she was watching washing it to clean it, she finds the price tag that it's a basically like brand new thing, and so Stephanie is lying about this. So what else is she lying about? Right. And it's been three months. But she's so, like, also it's just kind of like that. Yeah, she was kind of like suspicious of her kinda before that, just ma- mainly because Ted met her like three months ago and now they're gonna get married within like a week right basically yeah, like, are there alter ulterior motives type of a thing probably right. and she's also british and and we all know how <laughs> how shifty they can be but <laughs> but no I'm, not no i'm just, I'm just saying i know but sammy davis is british as well yes but her British accent was like fate. It sounded fake to me. It did, yeah. And I and don't I was know like, if that's true or not. She's someone or if who she was, was like trying... trying to play someone from a different region than where she naturally I, is. I know nothing, no. and I don't want to, <laughs> like even. But it just sounded like I'm like, well, she's a British actress. Like, why can't she just, you know? Maybe that was her natural speaking voice, and it was just... It just sounded like someone who was trying to fake one. Yeah, maybe because she was speaking so deliberately at all times, and like really enunciating all of her words, and sort of speaking a little bit slower, and maybe that's part of it? I don't know. Something definitely seemed off about the way that she was talking. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, So yeah... I think also the fact, I don't know if this conversation came later or not, but Stephanie also says, you know, she has no friends or family to invite to the wedding. That does come a little bit later. Um, so, you know, things start to snowball in Laura's mind. It's like, okay, this is not adding up. And at one point she says the wrong town name. Like she says Denver instead of San Diego or something like that. And so mm-hmm. um, things just keep on building. It's like, okay, this person may not be who she says she's is yeah and they they hire this caterer yeah and this woman hazel hazel she recognizes stephanie she's like hey i think i've seen you before haven't i seen you i don't know (laughs) haven't i catered for you before that's why i was thinking okay they're probably i don't know i mean if she went from san diego to la i mean I mean, that's kind of a... It's a few-hour difference, but, like, this Hazel woman probably does, like, Southern California, like, catering. I have no idea. Yeah, she said that she moved from wherever... Like, Denver. She's like, I don't know, I've been... Yeah, I I moved from there to here very recently, and you look a lot like this person, and then Stephanie's like, oh, no, definitely not. And, um overhears a conversation where Hazel tells the mother, oh, she looks a lot like this bride whose husband died right before the wedding in some tragic accident. Right, yeah. And, you know, nobody knows that these are murders so far because she's a nurse or has access to medicine as her job as a nurse and she injects them with the syringe. That's her method of, of weapon. Yeah, uh, it's potassium. And, and overdoses them to make it seem like they have a heart attack. And so yeah. she goes away scot-free except for certain people who may be suspicious of her but she's already off to the next town Mm -hmm. 
And so the caterer didn't know it was a murder. Did had no reason to suspect. Right. He's like, oh, she just, just like, like, like this person. Yeah, and I mean, Stephanie's just like, okay, well, I don't want her to recognize me at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go kill her. <laughs> yeah. So now you must die. I've been made, so I have I have to kill you now. Yeah. <laughs> so. Up to this point is like some build up, you know. Uh, you have like the opening the scene of kills. the death. Well, yeah, aside from the opening, right. opening scene, and Hazel puts up a fight. Right, <laughs> it, it's a decent struggle from this yeah, older lady. Yeah, but it's to the point where, like, Hazel could have easily called nine one one. Yeah, because at some point she is able to push Stephanie away, and Stephanie like runs throughout her out the building house? a little bit yeah and hazel like picks up i think a knife yeah and starts and walking starts, like, around yeah, the house looking for stephanie but at, during this time i'm like just call 911 yeah but but she doesn't and stephanie catches up with her i think outside in some sort of like yeah downstairs like basement thing yeah because she pushes her down the basement but hazel's still alive yeah and then gets injected yeah so it was like a long winded death i guess yeah it wasn't a bad fight scene though between those two yeah so that's that's nice at least that we get that and then she steals the necklace from hazel which is weird and i thought that would come back to bite her but it kind of doesn't it's well, just a way to have she her was, cover up her yeah, lie. Cover, well, because she's, you know, coming home late, and the mom, like, Ted and Laura's mom is like, oh, didn't you go and get your hair cut? But you're home really late from the haircut. Or something like that. Yeah, and she's like, and Laura was, like, trying to accuse her, trying to catch her in lies, and Stephanie gives her that necklace, and... Yeah, and she's that like, puts did the you get? In her favor yeah, and... did you get your haircut by blah blah blah? And she's like, yeah, and and she's like, oh well, that's funny because he quit. He quit three weeks ago, and that's when she was like, all oh. right, well, you caught me. I went to go. I was gonna wait until the rehearsal dinner or whatever, but I'll just give this to you you now, and it's the necklace that she stole from Hazel. Yeah, and then the mom is like, Laura, stop being a fucking bitch <laughs> like, does it yeah it doesn't swear there but yes yeah, i know but it's just of... like the mom is just a bitch to laura the entire time I'm like god damn it's really weird because like ted also says some weird stuff to her like he's like if i didn't know you any better i'd swear you were jealous i'm like ew <laughs> like your brother sister you know like yeah i don't understand that like i don't, I don't get it and then yeah at some point like, at the what, bachelor the, party laura the, Crashes like, in. there's going to be a new sister, and she's not going to be the sister anymore? Like, I don't, I don't even understand. Yeah. And, but, yeah, anytime... And Ted is friend with, friends with this cop who's also... I don't know, that's kind of a funny sequence when they meet at the gym for the first time, and he's like, Hey, you, you're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> like, to Ted. And they go play racquetball, and the person who's working at the gym is also an old flame of Ted's and so Stephanie gets super jealous of that and it all comes back around at the bachelor party and whatnot and Laura crashes that to give him more evidence and then he's like oh this is about Catherine dying isn't it like, mm-hmm. I don't know it's just like no you the whole rest of the family you guys are the ones who are focusing on that shit <laughs> so it's 
there's uh, another person in the family that we haven't talked about yet is Gramps. Yeah. <laughs> who is, you know, obviously the grandfather of Ted and Laura and has... He's got, like, dementia. Dementia of some kind, yeah. yeah. And so there are several times where he gives accurate and important information, but everyone dismisses it because of his dementia, because he gets other details wrong. Like, at one point he calls Stephanie Catherine. Yeah. And does other things like that. Or he's like, oh, well, I have to go do this thing. Um, so that's that happens and he's Mm -hmm. also there for like comic relief which is weird yeah the whole part where laura is i mean this is the rehearsal dinner and this is when laura finally gets a lead on someone and she finds like she i don't know how this happened like she this is where she's researching in the library and she's making phone calls she's no she's going to pick up um, this Darlene. Is, yeah, but while she comes up, up upon like a an article about that guy dying, the one that Hazel was talking about, and then she happened upon like getting Darlene's info somehow. I forgot, and she they, he, they yeah she had basically called every single person with the name of Darlene with, whatever. No, with with the the husband who died his name. Yeah, but and and they their family is like they gave the name calling. Darlene Harris or whatever yeah. reason, and then she was looking up Darlene Harris in the yellow pages, yeah, and, and you know the light even the librarians are like hey because she's using the phone in the library and the librarians are like hey you know they have phones you can have a phone installed in your own house like being like, bitchy everyone's a everyone's dick. being bitchy to laura everyone is a dick and, and the only like, people i can understand being a dick to her are the people who work at the airport because she's <laughs> trying to find like flight information about this person yeah. uh, darling um and then also the mortician because just go into the morgue Right. You just, you know, claiming, not really claiming the body, but trying to claim the body. And then she, like, she steals Darlene's jacket or whatever. Yeah. Long story short, Darlene is also dead as Stephanie's hands. Um, yeah. But yeah, she, so she misses the rehearsal party because she's at the morgue. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, she had found Darlene. She's like, please come here and identify Stephanie as the person who killed your friend. Right, but, I mean, Stephanie was wearing a wig to pose as Laura to meet Darlene. Yeah, Stephanie overhears... Well, okay. Stephanie overhears (laughs) a call because Gramps says Darlene Harris is going to be his date to the rehearsal dinner. Yeah. And and Stephanie is like, "Uh uh-oh, Laura's on to me. And he overhears a phone call and goes and, I guess, you know, arranges to pick her up at the airport... And Laura is given a false time of when she actually will be coming in, but you know, by Stephanie calling in as someone else, whatever. Big long <laughs> weird sequence of events, and long story short is that Stephanie puts on a Laura outfit <laughs> and puts on a fake American accent. Yeah. Which sounds better than her possibly yeah, real British accent. Like, like her accent was like I know she's British, but it's like a British person person trying to sound American trying to sound British. Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, but anyway, they're in the car together, Darlene and Stephanie, 
and at one point a car comes a little bit too close to them and, and she says bloody hell and she you know quickly looks over like oopsies <laughs> and, yeah. and, and then you know Darlene realizes uh oh I'm in trouble and they try to um, yeah, yeah. Try to get away and poor. I don't know. Poor Darlene. <laughs> so stupid. I don't know. <laughs> She's able to get out of the car, and like starts to run away, but falls, and then she gets hit by another oncoming car. Yeah. And dies that way. And so yeah. Stephanie's able to just. And leave. Stephanie just like turns around and drives off. Just is gone. Like, she doesn't care. She's and Laura like a... eventually figures out that Darlene did come into town, just not at the time that she thought, because Stephanie, you know, called the house pretending to be somebody else, pretending to be Darlene and, you know. Yeah, whatever. getting the wrong time to pick her up. Yeah. And so then that's why Laura goes to the morgue and finds <laughs> the jacket with the book, with the picture inside, with the three of... Of the guy yeah. that... The died murderer, in the beginning. The Darlene and, and Stephanie under her old alias because she's also switching names with every town that she goes to. Mm-hmm. And then she tries to bring the evidence over to the bachelor party and both him and the cop, <laughs> best friend, ignore yeah. everything. Yeah. So then she's like, call. Well, this is like the next day where she's calling the rehearsal dinner wherever they are at the restaurant or whatever the hall that they're at and gramps keeps on answering the phone and it's laura saying hey it's laura and then he's like laura's not here yeah stop calling and but she's like gramps it's laura on the phone can you get me ted or someone else and gramps is like laura's not he just keeps on saying laura's not here laura's not here yeah. And that's supposed to be funny, this miscommunication or whatever. And I think George gets on the phone at some point and is like, how dare you like miss this rehearsal dinner or whatever. George is the cop friend. Yeah. And, like, yeah. why yell? Everyone's yelling at the sister. Everyone. Yeah. It, it's just... Insert, yeah, I don't know. And yeah, throughout there's like the flashbacks of something happens with Stephanie where she, you know, hears something and just sort of goes into, like, a fugue state and then, like, you see the flashback and then she becomes upset and starts yelling at people and, yeah, there's... whatever. (laughs) The big big ending, I guess, as it were... Oh, we never talked about... So there's a few different deaths in here, not too many. You got the, the groom at the beginning, you got the caterer, you also have the reverend because... You know, oh, this yeah. is a religious family, I guess. Um, and they have to go to Reverend Wells to ask if they get married he at the, the wedding. Yeah, I mean, that's if you, if you get want to get married at a church, yeah, you gotta. So, anyway, there's do the this. counseling pre wedding. They both say that they were engaged before. Stephanie shows her extreme jealousy tendencies and is like, I don't trust you. You never trusted me. Like, this is not right, whatever. But she still wants to get married. And Reverend is basically saying, no, this shouldn't happen. And so, because he's trying to put an end to their relationship or, you know, delay the wedding, he has to die. So, Reverend Wells also dies. Laura finds the body. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's all kinds of... And she has, like, bags under her eyes. Like, she's, like, shaken by all of this that's happening and everything. And everyone else is like, yeah, whatever, he's dead. Let's just keep going with the wedding. So, and then there's another part where they're watching the news, and that's when they talk about the death of 
Darlene. Yeah, some unknown person. Yeah, Darlene. yeah. And that, I mean they, they, they don't also kind of prompts like Laura. Doe, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, wouldn't I mean? How with she all put these... two and two together on that is kind of. Yeah, I mean, with all these deaths that like people are dying similar ways, wouldn't someone be like, "There's a killer on the loose"? Well, they're both heart attacks, right? I mean, Stephanie was just a car accident. Okay. Not run over by but with Stephanie. All these, like, run know. over by someone else. So there's no. She's causing heart attacks. She's causing heart attacks. Like you know, okay, two people associated with the wedding happen to have heart attacks. That sucks, but oh well. Yeah, but, but like, okay, they also don't care about the caterer because. She wasn't going to be used anyway. Remember? Okay, There's yeah. the, the phone call, like, right after she died, saying, oh, yeah, we decided not to go with you. We're going with someone yeah, else. Yeah, because Stephanie overhears that message, and then she's like, oh, I killed this woman for no reason. Yeah. But she's like, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so technically it's just one person that died. Yeah, so unless they're searching the obituaries and happen to know her last name and put... But they like all know. these people are they dying of heart attacks. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense, um, and, and there's a dream sequence in there as well, like a very brief dream sequence where Laura wakes up and everything is extremely yellow, and this empty house and this chair is rocking on its own, and you get like some handheld camera work, and she's off to the garage, and then the garage door closes, and Stephanie kills her in there or something mm. like that and so i don't know that was a weird sequence is very um unneeded i don't know it, it just it seemed out of place in that movie i guess it was trying to make it seem more horror like or to add some weird I, suspense yeah i guess but but like I don't know, it you knew it was a dream right away basically yeah because of the different lighting. I was like, oh, this is... Like, it makes you yeah. think it wasn't, but you can tell. And also just, like, tell. the chair rocking on its own yeah. all the time, too. Yeah. Yeah, completely different lighting. The rest of this is shot relatively standard. Um, nothing... Nothing groundbreaking happening here. The big ending, I guess. Right? So... Laura... I don't know. I don't... She doesn't even convince Ted at the bachelor party that anything's wrong, even though she has evidence. Ted's like, you're caught up on Catherine, whatever. At the rehearsal dinner, Stephanie is like, hey, let's go back home and like do it, basically. I'm going to go home, follow me in a little bit. And yeah. Let's, let's, let's get it on. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so they do. They go back to the house while everyone else is at the rehearsal dinner. And, um, so they're getting ready and Stephanie's in the bridal outfit and that's when she's like going to kill him. Yeah. That's when she's going to kill him because he lied about the bachelor party and that there are no girls. And I think she saw him kiss Deidre, who was the gym worker as slash dancer. What a pathetic bachelor party too. Oh my God. I don't know where that was. It looked like it looked like a random bar. Yeah. Or like some random offshoot of like a roller rink or something but there is you know like two women who are awkwardly dancing on this tiny little like mat yeah wearing wearing bathing suits wearing like yeah these like one piece bathing suits or something like that and they're just like i don't know just swaying back and forth and that's the bachelor party and you have like a room 
room full of like like who are all these guys there? I don't know. And um and then Peter comes out and like strips and Ted, Ted down. Yeah. Ted like goes on this it, it, you know what? It looks like a like where this um party was. It looks like a high school um theater room. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, just like throws the seats taken out. Kind of random bleachery type seats and then a stage or something. Yeah. It's it's really pathetic. (laughs) It's really, really bad. And uh yeah, he just goes on stage and um that Deirdre's the the one the girl that works at the gym. His ex flame slash whatever worked at the gym. She's all dressed up, but she's wearing, like, a mask. Like, one of those, whatever, like, masks. This covers the eyes. Yeah, it's covering, like, whatever those masquerade-type masks yeah. Yeah, exactly. are. And then she's wearing, like, some... I don't know. It looks like... Well, they it's dress... Like sort of meshy, like, again, like a one-piece swimsuit. Yeah, it's but... like some meshy parts. It looks like a bathing suit to me. And yeah. then just, like, a robe. And then they do this weird, like, wrestling thing. Right. And I'm like, wait, were the other two girls wrestling each other? Like, like I don't remember. Like, it was, I don't know what's going on. Like, she, they, like, playfully throw each other on the ground and play wrestle. And then he pins her or something. And Stephanie sees at least part of that. I don't know if he sees the kiss because they kiss on the stage first before starting to wrestle. Yeah, she kisses him and then she takes her mask off and he's like, oh, oh it's you. It's you. Yeah. And then he looks at his friend. He's like, you devil, you bull. Why, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that I still have the hots for her or whatever. That's right. pretty much what it seems like. And then mm-hmm. they do this weird wrestle on the floor and all these guys are like, yeah. It was real. It was weird. It's yeah. It's weird, and I expected more from a USA movie. You know, this is not USA well, up all night. They could have. It could have been like what is that? Like what is that? Stripes or whatever. Were there like you know that wrestling scene where they're like in Jello or something? Yeah, they could have added something to make it like in a pool. Or, I don't even know. Right, but it was just weird. Like a weird little blue mat. It was like they were using a gym mat. It was like a high school gym mat. It was like a high school gym mat. It's like they got like a little portion of the gym that they cordoned off and they were allowed to shoot while other people probably played dodgeball in the background. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyway, he lied about that and so clearly he's untrustworthy and he must die now. So Ted must die. And Stephanie <laughs> is in her wedding dress and, uh, you know, it makes it seem like, you know, they're going to get it on and you know that's when ted says oh isn't it bad luck to see your bride and wedding dress and whatever and she grabs the the syringe the syringe and that's when laura comes in um things happen things escalate ted is like what's going on here they the the syringes i think get uh like they get thrown off to the ground and there's like a struggle and the music box which is a thing we haven't talked about at all there's like this bride and groom music box that stephanie carries around everywhere she goes yeah it's like from place to place from her mom maybe the only thing that she owns or whatever yeah possibly from her mom and because that music triggers the flashback scenes and then um 
you know, that gets broken, and so she completely unravels and slashes Ted's stomach open with a cake knife. Or yeah. I, I'm assuming what should be the cake knife, which those aren't normally that sharp to cut someone's stomach open, I don't think, but uh, whatever. In this uh, case, it is. And then, you know, Stephanie chases Laura up to the attic with the knife, and Laura is able to hide and find a baseball bat and whacks her over the head and over she the falls, edge of the stairs yeah, she, she falls goes. over the stairs, and she the way that she falls and lands is so funny to me because it's like her hand is up a little and her hand is still like clenching this syringe Mm. and it's just the camera just like pan like pans in like slowly on like close up of her face and then like the end (laughs) well yeah it goes and then it goes back to the music box broken bride and groom part and it stays on that for a long time there's a couple of really long shots like when so the, the way that Darlene actually dies wasn't actually from the, the car accident. She's in the hospital. And then Yeah, Stephanie she's in, like, in a coma. In, yeah, and then Stephanie comes in as a nurse and basically, like, chokes out her air tube. Yeah, and it's to on make that, sure like, that she dies. Ten, I don't know, it's like... That's, that's, that's what I was saying. Like, some it's like of these, a minute long of yeah, the sequence. Yeah, these death scenes, like, the deaths, like, the whole wanting to kill Hazel, that was, like, a really long struggle yeah, and then, at least something was happening during that time. Yeah, this was just watching somebody hold a like, tube for like a minute and a half. Yeah, and then you see poor Darlene like struggling in her bed. Yeah. So there's a few deaths in there. It's it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, overall, I mean, I think the movie could have been funnier. It wasn't trying to be funny. Yeah, I don't know. Was this it, meant? No. To be funny or... I don't think it was. I I don't think it was meant to be super serious either, you know, because it is like a USA up. Yeah, I think I would have liked it more if it was funny. (laughs) Uh Like if it was meant to be funny. Yeah, if it, you know, decided to go a little bit more over the top with some of these events. Because, I mean, it started off kind of funny just because the bad acting. Right. And then it just got more serious. Obviously, the music is also bad in this whole thing. Just very soap opera-like music in this. I thought that the detective story aspect was better than the thriller aspect of it. I thought that they at least did that part right. Mm-hmm. But... Oh, we, we forgot about the most important thing. There are previews on the VHS that we watched. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about that, like later on oh we should have talked about it at the very beginning coming attractions previews uh-huh. go at the beginning right and we just now they're trailers now they're the original meaning of trailers mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we had two previews on the vhs because this is only available on vhs maybe it's on youtube somewhere but we couldn't find it uh scanners 2 the new order yeah these are both 1991 movies because they're on our list both of them i think yeah they're both on our list okay Scanners 2, The New Order. Both Scanners 2 and Scanners 3 came out in 1991. This is, you know, that looks like the type of cheesy comedy movie that Yeah, that's why I was like, oh, because, yeah, I was like, oh, we're going to see some cheese. That's what I thought this movie was going to be, like cheesy, whatever. Yeah. And then the next one was this movie that was written and directed by Lou Diamond Phillips. Just starring and written by. Oh, starring, written. So he wrote it. And starred in it, but he did not direct Ambition. Which 
ambition. It's about, which it, this story reminds me of another 1991 movie that we're going to watch that I've seen about a writer that visits a serial killer. Which one are you thinking of? The, the It's called Where Sleeping Dogs Lie. Okay. That's in 1990. That, that movie I've seen and I know. And then when this, uh, like when they were talking about the, because they did like a little tiny, I don't know, snippet where they interview Lou Diamond Phillips. Yeah, there's like a very small behind the scenes promo and interview with him after the, the brief trailer. Yeah, there's like a brief behind the scenes promo slash interview with, with Lou, Lou Diamond, Diamond Phillips Phil- yeah. after the trailer and he's like i came like how his writing process was for this movie and he did like a background saying like this movie is gonna be about a thriller writer yeah he wanted his... to he wanted to write a movie about a writer but he wanted some sort of hook and so he's like oh but serial killers yeah it was like a would-be novelist who is trying to I don't know. He was trying to play mind games with this mass murderer. But also, was he interviewing him for the book? That's what it seemed like. The trailer part was super slow. Like, super short. Yeah. But it was mostly Lou Diamond Phillips saying, Hey, this is what I want this story to be about. And this is what I wrote. And whatever. I don't know. Of the two, I'm much more interested in Scanners too. I, I mean, I was just like, oh, this reminds me of the other movie, the other 1991 movie that we'll probably watch at some point, because that's about a writer who visits like a serial killer. We, to we could almost do a whole whole month or not a, or not a it's, <laughs> i just remember because i remember watching this movie and i was creeped out by it because it had tom sizemore and i'm always like <laughs> <laughs> say no more <laughs> this, mo- yeah. this movie made me scared of tom sizemore and, it, and rightfully sure. so <laughs> yeah i just remember seeing that movie and it was about like a murder writer who was visiting a, a killer and the killer was Tom Sizemore. I don't know. That's all I really want to say. All right. So there we go. There were two previews. I wish there were more, but I am yeah, hyped, you're hyped to see Scanners, scanners two. <laughs> 2 and 3. So hopefully we'll get to that at some point in the near future. Yeah, there's not much more to say about this movie other than we wish it was cheesier. We yeah. wish it was, you know... Yeah. Kelly Preston's acting was like too good to, for this movie. The rest of them were not so much. I think that's everything we got. There's no awards for this. What a surprise. I mean, you know, it was a TV movie on a basic cable network, so you can't really expect a whole lot of that. In terms of cast and crew, uh, the writers only wrote one other thing. The Montgomery's only also wrote Zebra Lounge. So that's their only other credit. Terrence O'Hara, the director, did a bunch of TV work aside from this. Uh, so he's done stuff like Silk Stockings, makes sense. Pacific Blue, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Angel, and NCIS. Sammy Davis, who played Stephanie, around this time she was on the TV show Homefront, which, and she earned a Golden Globe nomination for that show. So 1991 to 1993, she was on Homefront. She was also in... Chernobyl, The Final Warning in this year, 
She's been in things like Prayer for the Dying, Lionheart, and Layer of the White Worm. Kelly Preston is a Razzie winner for Battlefield Earth. She's also been nominated for Razzies for Cat in the Hat, Old Dogs, and Gotti, which she was in with her husband, uh, John Travolta. 1991, she'll also be in the movie Run. Before this, she was in things like Twins. After this, she was in things like Jerry Maguire, which I think mm -hmm. is probably her most notable role, Addicted yeah. to Love, Jack Frost, the non-horror one, and For the Love of the Game. Lyndon Ashby, who played Ted, is a Saturn-nominated actor for the Teen Wolf TV series, where he plays the sheriff in that okay. MTV series, which I guess has been lasting for a long time and had like a movie or whatever. In 1991, he was also in the movie Into the Sun, and also he was on the new Adam-12 TV show, which was ending its run around that time. He's probably best known for either soap operas like Melrose Place, Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, or mm -hmm. to people like me as Johnny Cage in the World Combat movie from 1995. Yeah, I knew him from Melrose Place. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know this guy. <laughs> but then it's I was like... It's not a very, like, recognizable face, though. It's like, I don't know, like, it... He's a standard-looking actor no. to me. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that was Johnny Cage, okay. I didn't put two and two together. Uh, a couple other people I want to talk about. We got Cheryl Arut, who played Darlene Harris. This was her last role as an actress uh, she went on to become a doctor in forensic psychology and she has done a lot of tv appearances on shows like nancy grace and dr drew as a forensic psychologist so john agar is gramps i'm not very familiar with his work but i think a lot of especially classic movie fans maybe uh Prior to acting, he was a sergeant in World War II. Then he married Shirley Temple. And then he got into acting by debuting in Fort Apache. He was also in things like Sands of Iwo Jima. But he became very well known in the B-movie monster, you know, horror sci-fi realm in the 50s and 60s and things like that. So he's been in things like The Mole People, Invisible Invaders, Tarantula, Attack of the Puppet People, Curse of the Swamp Creatures, Zontar, The Thing from Venus. That type of stuff is where he really... You know, became well known, and he's a key figure in in that realm. But I'm just not very familiar with him. Uh, and then the last person I think we're going to talk about is the person who played Little Stephanie in the flashbacks. That was Allison Mack. Uh, I think we'd be remiss to not mention her to some degree on this. Uh, she is in another 1991 movie called Living a Lie, which is not on our list. She had been in things like Honey We Shrunk Ourselves, Camp Nowhere. And, of course, Smallville is her biggest role. Uh, and she's also very well known for unfortunate legal troubles. Yes. Uh, so in, I never watched Smallville. I never did either. And I've been thinking about doing it. Like, I don't know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I started watching TV shows that I've never watched before. Like, I did a whole... Grey's Anatomy binge. Yeah. And I was thinking about doing a Smallville binge. Go for it if you want to. <laughs> I, well, because I, I, I think I'm... It's a long I'm, one. I know. Well, I mean, Grey's Anatomy was long. Jeez. Um, but yeah, I, I'm like, should I? Because I, I kind of, I don't know. Sometimes I get bored. I'm like, I want to watch a, a show that I've never seen before that people are obsessed over, I guess. Yeah. That's why I started Grey's Anatomy. And I'm like, oh, what are other shows that I missed that were so popular within the past 
15-ish years. <laughs> I feel like this show was on for like 15-ish years on its own. Yeah. That's what, and plus each episode, there's like 24 episodes in mm-hmm. each season, so I'm like, do I want to commit to this? You can always quit at any time. That's the I, I mean, that's, thing, right? I mean, I did that with like the good wife. I mean, I didn't. I finished it, but then I was like, should I just move on to the good fight? And I never did. <laughs> but it's like I, I go through, like, certain, I don't know, shows, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. But I don't know if I should pick up Smallville. I don't know. Let us know your thoughts. Eh. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. Reach out to us and tell us, is, is it worth? is it worthwhile? Uh, but yeah, Allison Mack was sentenced back in September of 2021 to three years in prison as part of the, how do you pronounce this, Nexium. Yeah, I mean, if uh, I can get into it, if you want. I, I'm just going to do like a small thing because Nexium. I mean, that can sort of, we can move on to true crime of pop culture because that's all I got for cast and crew. And whatnot, okay. So. Well, th- that's my, the only true crime I'm, that I have is about Allison Mack where I just, I'm just going to talk about that she got arrested. <laughs> yeah, just a quick beats of her. Yeah. She was a member of Nexium, and Nexium is like this. Well, it's a cult, but it was like posing as this multi-level marketing company, kind of like some. I don't even know, like self-help, like group therapy type of thing. Sure. And if you watch. The Vow that's on HBO that goes into it. And then there was like another one that I didn't watch. It was on Stars, and we don't have Stars, but I heard it was better. It's called Seduced. Um, yeah, if you want to know more about Nexium, just watch The Vow or that. But she was probably one of the, uh, the main. I don't want to say leaders, but yeah, she... She's like a recruiter, I think, right? Yeah, she was like recruiting these women to... But she knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, she was arrested on char- charges of sex trafficking, conspiracy, and forced labor in relation to the Nexium activities. She pled guilty to racketeering and racketeering conspiracy charges and was sentenced to three years in prison. And this was as of June of last year, so June 2021. And I just have, like, this thing that I got from the Washington Post talking about where she, in federal, it's in New York federal court, she gets three years in prison, she has to pay a $20,000 fine and do 1,000 hours of community service. And then moving on to, I guess, pop culture. What happened on... So today, well, the movie, this movie was released on June 26, 1991, which was a Wednesday. Mm. And, I mean, TV-wise, we didn't have um, a TV guide. No. And that's when we found out it was like a USA... Up all night movie. Yeah, I don't know if it was kind of googling it. 
Because I think Up All Night was only on the weekends. So it, yeah, it, it so appeared it, on Up All Night at some so, point in the future. Yeah, so it appeared on US, but it wasn't an Up All Night. It didn't debut as yeah, it didn't, Up Yeah, it didn't debut but as it. Debut it. That's what I'm trying to But yeah, it was a, this was a Wednesday, and there wasn't really much new, but the on TNT was the NBA draft. Mm. I might have been watching that, honestly. Larry Johnson, number one pick. Yeah. Didn't we... Dikembe Mutombo is in there. Yeah, Larry Johnson was selected first, and he uh, was, you know, represented the Charlotte Hornets. Grandmama. Yeah, Dikembe Mutombo was selected fourth and became one of the greatest offensive centers in the history of the league. Does tons of charity work in Africa as well. And then other notable picks were Kenny Anderson, Steve Smith, Terrell Brandon, Dale Davis, and Chris Gatling. Notable at the time that most of those names did not have notable careers. They they were all on the all. I remember we talked about the All Star game like a few Uh, weeks ago. They were all they all made the All Star appearances. Interesting. And then moving on to music, so this was the bo- the bottom five as of June twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one. So at number one hundred was the song "Lift Me Up" by the group Yes, and I've never heard heard this song before i don't think i've heard any 90s yes song yeah i didn't even know yes went on into the 90s like i (laughs) but i was looking them up and they were i mean they're presently active now like they're touring like doing some whatever however many year (laughs) reunion tour yeah i mean any popular 80s band that still likes each other is on tour trying to yeah so they were they were active starting in 1968 to 1981, and then 1983 to 19 or 1983 to 2004, and then now presently they're touring. But yeah, I had no idea they had music past like 1987. Honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> after like loner or owner oh. of a lonely heart, I yeah. was like, well, they they did well. The lead singer guy. He did a song on the Legend soundtrack because that's okay. how that's how I knew Yes. But as a solo actor, yeah. As Yes, okay. But that's how I knew Yes because his voice is very recognizable, I guess, like that very high. Yeah, near falsetto. Yeah. yeah. That was number a hundred, okay. <laughs> and that was five weeks on the charts, and it only peaked at number eighty-six. Number 99 was, I think, a song we've already talked about before, but this was the debut first week on the chart, and it's the song Blind Faith by Warrant, but I swear we've talked about this song. I think we have, yeah. We've talked about Warrant before. <laughs> yes. So and if it wasn't that, it was some other Warrant other song. Other Warrant song that we also were not familiar with. Yeah, I don't know anything by Warrant, basically. And number 98 is the song She Talks to Angels by the Black Crows, and I did not know that this song was in the 
early 90s. I thought this was like mid. This is on the same album as Too Hard to Handle. Huh. Okay. Which that album came out in 1990. And I thought that album came out in like, like 94. 94 or something. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember yeah. hearing that song a lot. Like in the mid, more in the mid nineties yeah, than I do too. I wonder, maybe it was part of like a soundtrack in some movie back in the mid nineties. Too hard to maybe. I was just like, again. I had no idea that this song came out so early. Yeah. In the nineties. Briefly charted. <laughs> yeah. So that was sixteen weeks on the charts, and it peaked at number thirty. Uh, number ninety-seven is a from a band and a song that I've never heard of and it's the song is You Don't Have to Go Home Tonight by this group called The Triplets and they are three women who are triplets they're this pop rock trio that um, they're half Mexican women and they recorded their albums in English and Spanish, and they crossed over musical boundaries. They were popular in the U.S. and Latin America, I guess. Hmm. I knew nothing about them. But then they gained, They first gained their recognition after winning an MTV Basement Tapes contest in 1986. And this is where I was telling you, like, I'm going down a rabbit hole right yeah, now. Yeah. Because I've never heard of the MTV basement tapes. No, that sounds fascinating to me. So I was, was that looking something that aired on the channel? Yeah, I found I couldn't find the one then I was like, did they do one for the year nineteen ninety one? Right. Were they still doing it? Yeah. It do, it seemed like it it started in nineteen eighty three. And then I think it ended in nineteen eighty six. I don't know. But it was like I guess it was like a series that I found a, two of them on YouTube, one for the year 1984 and the one 1985. And it's like an hour and a half long. I didn't watch it. I was just kind of like skipping through. But it was a series where it was a bunch of unsigned bands from all around the country that would submit their music videos and viewers would vote and then the winner would score a record contract okay i think they tried to do stuff like that at some point in like the late 90s too maybe i don't know i remember like after trl for a while they had this show where they had i think this is slightly different but they had like six or seven people watching random music videos and then giving them ratings as to whether or not it should was be it on like the, on trl bands? or uh... not and like some of them were, you know, less popular and some of them were more popular and I don't remember the name of that show either, but I remember it was like a dark room and they were all like voting on okay. these things and whatever. And I think the home audience also could call in and vote. And so there's whoever got the majority got to be on TRL for a oh, while. Okay. And it's like, yeah, it's like sort of like a tie into that. I mean, I know like the competitions they had, like the, the next VJ or whatever. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think they did also this... maybe have like a couple things where they had bands too. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I thought that was fascinating. But they won for the year of 1986. Huh. And this is their only hit single in 1991. But they 
have musical awards and nominations. They got they had a Grammy nomination for best new Latin pop group in 1993, and then an American music nomination for net best new group in 1991 and a New York Music Award for Best New Group in 1991, and the Desi Award for Best New Latin Group in 1991. Huh. Passed us by. Yeah, and that song was 16 weeks on the chart, and it peaked at number 14. Number 96 is a hit. Okay. (laughs) It's a, I mean, I was playing it and I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. <laughs> this is a, another grocery store hit, Cry for Help by Rick Astley. Um, I mean, it was 20 weeks on the chart and it peaked at number seven. But yeah, I mean, like near the end where, like he has this um, choir singing with him and then there's like this part where like just everything's all quiet and everything's breaking down it's like him and the choir singing it's like near the end of the song Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that was a grocery store classic yes we can move on to rankings and ratings then on your one to five star scale where are you going to put the perfect bride Uh, i mean i'm gonna give this a two yeah, I'm, I'm going to give basically the equivalent of that. On my zero to four star scale, I think I'm going to give it like a one and a half. I think the story was relatively competent. I didn't like the characterization of most people, although it kind of works to the movie's favor to basically show that everyone's against Laura, including her own family. Yeah. But it wasn't entertaining to watch. It was like frustrating on behalf of Laura. That's not a yeah, fun I mean, position to be Yeah, and then Kelly Preston is like the one carrying this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like she's a good actress and you can and tell that she's a good actress. I was thinking like, did, why did she agree to do this? Because she's like the good actress out of all these people in it. I don't know. I mean, I mean she's mean, done... We've seen uh, a lot of movies, good actors in bad movies so far. You never know how it's going to turn out when you're looking at a script only. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Things can change when you're on a production, uh, in the middle of production. So, um, what did I say? One and a half? Did I say that already? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's my ranking on that one. Every movie is worth watching once. Would you watch this again? I mean, no. The only way I think I would is if I had a goal of watching every single USA Up All Night movie, like, in, you know. In order? In order or, yeah. Well, I was also thinking, like, I have different themes. Like, if this is later on, and I don't know. We probably will never do this. I was thinking, like, if we did, like, a Patreon thing, like, uh, all of it would be USA, USA Up All Night. Yeah, like, Up non-91 all USA Up All Night. No, just all of the Up yeah. All Night movies. It's like a separate, like, mini podcast. Yeah. If you're interested in that, let us know. If you're watching I mean, this movie, then you're probably into the USA Up All Night type of... Like if yeah. You're, if you're listening to this podcast, and you probably... I'm curious about watching all of those movies. Me too. That was honestly like... There is a letterbox list. There is someone who has gone yeah. through painstakingly through old TV listings, TV guys and everything to determine what was on that. I used to watch that a lot growing up. And I'm just, just like... And a lot of the movies were like really weird is from... Like, yeah. I mean just you know it was formative yeah <laughs> well 
I mean, that's how I knew about Rock and Roll High School Forever. Yeah, that was on there, too. I think I think there's, like, at least one more. They've also had some legitimate movies on there, too. Like, stuff that we haven't covered yet, but will. Like, Child's Play 3. Yeah. Or Freddy's It's just, Dad, like, a lot of... Yeah. It's just, the, like, really off-the-wall weird movies that I would never have watched before. Yes. I've seen on USA Up All Night. Yeah. I wish... I mean, I know that there is stuff like that that exists, just not in any sort of, like, mainstream capacity. Mm-hmm. And with everything on streaming, you have to know that it exists to go find it. There isn't, like, someone on Netflix every week saying, hey, let's watch a movie together. Mm-hmm. So, um, that would be how I would watch it again as part of, like, a USA Apple Night Showcase. If you out there want to watch The Perfect Bride, as of this recording in June 2022, it's only available on VHS... But check your local listings, because that could change. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991moviewrewind.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and YouTube. Just search 1991moviewrewind. Or go to 1991moviewrewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes and more. Next week, episode 69. So we're watching Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. That's available. And if you get that reference, then good on you. <laughs> we, we have to watch Bill and Ted's Bogus yeah. Journey. Uh, we missed June 9th, which is Bill and Ted Day. But uh, we're so making up for it. So our 69th episode is yes. our Bill and Ted Day. That, that's our Bill and Ted episode. <laughs> which is probably going to be around 4th of July, I think. Yeah, we'll be about a month late. Yeah. That's only available on a couple different places. Prime, HBO, Grandma Plus, Epix, Tubi, Pluto TV, Roku, Roku Channel, Digital Rental, VHS, DVD. It's everywhere. Uh, we'll see you. Thanks.